Hello, and welcome to episode 246 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today is a beautiful day because we have actual regular season football games and player usage to review. No more beat writer speculation, no more beat writer conjecture, no more nonsense, actual football. Evan, how was your week one? What's happening? I think it was mostly positive. I think that it was not a great week one for the beat writers. Uh, there, there were a lot of, of uh, misses by the beat writers or things that they overlooked or, or you know, things that just the coaches did differently than what they showed in practice. Um, and so, you know, we, we were led astray uh, in some respects, but hey, it makes it more fun. And now we got to react to that and use the information and be Bayesian in our process. And as we more information spills in, we adjust appropriately. Yeah, I actually did about five minutes about this whole beat writer information thing on the solo pod, uh, which uh, came out this morning. So you guys can, or this afternoon, so you guys can go back and listen to that. I have some takes in there about that. But yeah, we'll get to the San Francisco stuff here in a minute. On today's show and each Tuesday evening this season, Evan and I are going to go team by team, highlighting the most important things we saw from a fantasy perspective in week one and key takeaways. I think this is a really useful exercise. Hope you guys find value in it as well. Before we get into the show, two things. First, if you have not subscribed to our in-season package yet, you are missing 95% of the content that we put out each week. Silva's matchups, our projections, ownership projections, all our shows, premium pods, all the content. We do have weekly and monthly options up on the site right now. Check that out on the subscribe page. Second, this show is brought to you by our friends at prizepicks.com. You guys know me. I am deep, deep, deep in the player prop streets right now. Prize Picks is essentially a DFS platform that specializes in player props. They already have their props up for week two, which is absolutely insane. In other words, they're originating the market, which means we should be able to pick off some really soft stuff. I think we're posting a table each week to compare ETR projections with the Prize Picks lines. If you want to try them this week, they do have 100% instant deposit bonus up to $100 if you use promo code ETR or use the link in the show notes. Again, promo code ETR at prizepicks.com. All right, Evan, let's get into it with the NFC. Arizona played really well, man. I thought Tennessee would win the game. Arizona goes to Tennessee and plays extremely, extremely well. From a pass catcher perspective, Rondale's usage was good when he was on the field, which we expected. We talked about that, but he wasn't on the field a ton. Only 14 routes on 36 Kyler dropbacks for Rondale Moore. Christian Kirk, 23 routes. AJ Green, 32. DeAndre Hopkins, 35. Any thoughts for the season-long people on Rondale right now and what you see out of the Cardinals? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, they are going to have to boost this usage for not only Rondale Moore, but also for Christian Kirk because A.J. Green, you know, it's just a continuation of last year, just extreme inefficiency. You know, I know that they want to have the, the trusty veteran out there, but these other guys can make plays and they deserve to play ahead or at least be featured in the offense more than A.J. Green. I cannot believe that we, that I missed the, um, the the getting the total on this one because with 18 minutes left in the game, it was at 51, and we needed what 51 and a half, 52 and a half, and it landed to get 51. over, and there was yeah. not another point scored yeah. for the rest of the damn game. Like a, a field goal would have done it. Um, they used Chase Edmonds as the lead back and James Conner as the closer. They had this, just like 11 uh, minute march. Uh, uh, to kind of seal the game 
And I expect, it to, I expect that to remain the case going forward. Yeah, Chase Edmonds, very clearly the pass down back, 100% of the running back uh, targets went to Chase Edmonds. I was encouraged by Chase Edmonds' usage for sure. You know, Rondale to me is a tough, a tough start with this usage. I mean, 14 routes on 36 dropbacks, but man, Kyler is, is going to have an absolutely massive, massive year. They're going to play so fast and so spread. Exciting win for the Arizona Cardinals. I think it's going to happen for Rondale. It's just, it's going gonna, it's gonna to yep. take a minute. Yep. Atlanta Falcons, I, maybe the biggest egg that was laid in week one, and we'll get to the Jaguars and we'll get to the Packers, but man, not only did, I mean, we had so much optimism around Arthur Smith, and then, my God, they come out with like some run-centric approach. I mean, they were down like 13 points in the fourth quarter, just running the ball on first and 10. They had one of the lowest pass rate over expectations in the entire league in week one. And so we got a decent game from Mike Davis. I thought his usage was pretty good. Ran a route on 87% of Matt Ryan dropbacks. But Calvin Ridley was disappointing. Kyle Pitts' usage was good. Results weren't there. Still 22.8% target share for Kyle Pitts. Really good slot or wide 37 times. Really good for Kyle Pitts. But man, two concerns. Arthur Smith, maybe not as pass-centric as we thought he would be. And B, maybe Matt Ryan is just like on the way to being dusted. What did you think of this ugly Falcons loss? Yeah, Arthur Smith was also doing dumb stuff like punting on fourth and short. Um, that, that's a little bit concerning. I, I think that the interior of the Falcons offensive line also just got collapsed by Javon Hargrave in particular. And um, Matt Ryan finished with like 164 yards. It's his lowest yardage total since like 2018 or something like that. Um, really tough out of the gates. I, I you know, I, I think that, Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts are going to be okay eventually, but um, that, that obviously was a discouraging opener. They do play the ultimate pass funnel in the Tampa Bay Bucks in week two. In other words, Bucks are extremely, extremely stout against the run. Everybody's game plan against the Bucks is to throw, 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 throw. I hope Arthur Smith gets his head out of his ass in time for that Bucks game on Sunday. Obviously, I still like Calvin Ridley, still love the way Kyle Pitts was used they also had russell gage out there just running wind sprints just like playing 10 on 11 um you know he's uh, this is why they should have really tried to figure it out with julio i think because i mean you're 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 taking one when you're running russell gage out there playing 80 percent of the snaps drawing two targets and just doing nothing yeah i mean they're they're drawing dead to win the super bowl regardless but yeah regardless i agree with you russell gage is just a mess okay carolina panthers Good opening win. They win the Sam Darnold Bowl over the Jets. I think the final score made it seem closer than it actually was. And honestly, Carolina's defense, I think, has a chance to be really underrated this year. Like, they can rush the passer a little bit. I know they added the cornerback in round one. So I, I'm a little bit optimistic about Carolina as a whole. You guys already know who've been listening. I'm extremely optimistic on Sam Darnold. Thought he played reasonably well to good. Terrace Marshall usage was as expected, 27 in the slot, 24 routes on 36. Darnold dropped back 17% target share. So yeah, it was pretty much as expected for Carolina. And I mean, Christian McCaffrey, just if you got the number one pick and you got Christian McCaffrey, especially in full PPR, it's just such a huge advantage. Dude didn't even score mm -hmm. a touchdown. Didn't even get the 100-yard bonus on DraftKings and still had like 28 or 29 points. I mean, it's so insane what you see out of Carolina. Yeah, the offense is just specifically designed for Christian McCaffrey to eat. And he's going to continue to do that. Um I guess the question is, should we be concerned about Robbie Anderson, who had three targets, saved his day with a 57-yard touchdown? But, you know, Christian McCaffrey coming back, Terrace Marshall added to the offense. 
you know, is that going to end up eating into Robbie? Now, the Panthers did give him a big ex- extension uh, before train or at the end of training camp. And so it's not like he's not part of their plans anymore. But I mean, there are a lot of dudes now uh, to get the rock to McCaffrey foremost among them. He wasn't there last year. Now he's there this year. You know, someone's going to get hurt. Uh, and I mean, they just have a lot of good players. That's why I was optimistic about Darnold. They just have so many good offensive weapons and they have Joe Brady. I think it's going to be a bit variant. DJ Moore's tar- uh, route tree looks safer than Robbie's at this point, but that was really variant last season. I'm hesitant to draw any conclusions there from game one. Chicago Bears played on an island game Sunday night and predictably Andy Dalton gave them 0.0 chance to win. The question everyone wants to know, Evan, is when are they going to Justin Fields? They are home versus the Bengals next. Then they will play at the Browns. What are you hearing there in Chicago about going to Fields and anything else on the Bears that you saw? Yeah, the guys here think that maybe Justin Fields like isn't comfortable in the offense yet or I don't know. I mean, they... You know, they're tr- just trying to come up with, with uh, reasons that Matt Nagy would not be playing Justin Fields, even just in the couple of snaps that he played on Sunday night. Like, you know, the offense just looked better immediately, right when he went in. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know why they're doing this. You know, I, I think it's ridiculous, uh, but I think that it's going to end sooner rather than later. I thought it might end late in that game, but even late in the game when they were down by multiple scores, they were still trotting Andy Dalton in out there. You know, they wouldn't even give Justin Fields the final few minutes. Mm-hmm. So they're being very stubborn about this at this point. I think it just, it has to change, um, whether it be week two against Cincinnati or week four uh, against the Lions. Those are both home games. I don't think you want to do it week three at Cleveland. But I mean, I, it's got to happen somewhere in, the, in this first month window. I just, it, it's crazy. Yep, for sure. Speaking of crazy, Dallas Cowboys play an absolutely wild game in the opener on Thursday against the Bucs. was maybe the best game of the whole week. And man, two big things I saw. I mean, first, a lot of panic around Ezekiel Elliott. You know, and Evan, you've been vocal that you think Tony Pollard is a better player than Ezekiel Elliott. Certainly, Tony Pollard would have been a better matchup. I mean, ramming Zeke into the interior of Tampa Bay's defensive line is just, I mean, he was drawing stone dead. So I don't want to give up on Zeke just because he couldn't run against Tampa. No one runs against Tampa. That said, I didn't think he looked great. Second thing was Michael Gallup going down. He's going to be out, I believe, three to five weeks. Clear backup is Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson came on for 34 snaps, 24 of them in slot. I just don't think you can give Cedric Wilson as big of a target share as Michael Gallup had. So at this point, Lamb and Amari Cooper, I mean, my God, these guys are going to go absolutely nuclear. What do you see out of Dallas? What do you think about Cedric Wilson as a pickup? And what do you have to say to Zeke owners? Yeah, I think Cedric Wilson is a really good pickup. If you look at just the the five games that Dak Prescott has played start to finish under Mike McCarthy, he's got at least 39 attempts in three of them. I'm I'm sorry, he has at least 39 attempts in all five of them, and he has three of them with 57, 58, and 58. So they are very, very willing to let him sling it. I don't think he's 100%. I think that his velocity and his arm strength are not quite back to where – you know, they were uh, at his peak, but I think that that will come. And, and still they're letting him go out there and sling it 58 times in an individual game. And he, he looked great. I mean, he didn't need to be throwing the ball with, you know, uh, 100% arm power uh, against Tampa Bay. His playmaking ability, his uh, feel for the pocket. I mean, he is a baller. And mm-hmm. uh, he, he was really, really impressive, even despite being uh, against a really good defense, even despite being 
not 100% in that game. Um, yeah, I would say that Ezekiel Elliott is, is better treated as a buy low uh, than anything else because the Cowboys have a really favorable schedule upcoming. It is the Chargers in week uh, two with a 55-point total, and then mm-hmm. it's a bunch of scrub teams. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that they can ab- absolutely have neutral to positive game script with. I, I, I didn't think that Zeke looked great on Thursday night, um, but I do think that there are definitely better days to come. The game plan was was great by Dallas. I think that that is encouraging in and of itself, that the game plan was so smart and savvy that they would have beat the Super Bowl champs upset. They were the biggest dogs of the week um, when that Thursday night game kicked off. They almost won. And they would have won if Greg Zierlein wouldn't have left seven points on the field. Mm-hmm. So these people saying that, oh, uh, you know, the Cowboys game plan wasn't smart because they didn't run enough. Just total, total donkeys. Um, oh, yeah. But it's it, really bad. That's horrible analysis. Dallas led the NFL in pass rate over expectation. We just tweeted out the graph that we have there. I mean, they had the right plan. Kellen Moore is an absolute boss. So, yeah, I mean, I I – Loved what Dallas did and certainly better days ahead for Zeke, at least in the touchdown department, you know, um, for sure. Detroit Lions, DeAndre Swift. You know, I understand that Jamal Williams is going to play a lot. If DeAndre Swift is going to run a route on 70 to 80% of Jared Goff dropbacks and DeAndre Swift is going to have a 19% target share, and this team's going to be losing so much, he's going to have a really good year in PPR. And like, yeah, there's going to be some ups and downs when you're relying on catching so much, but this is kind of like, the Alvin Kamara role, albeit on a much, much worse team. What do you think of Swift's usage? And what do you think of the Lions? They almost won the game. I mean, they had a chance to win the game late. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Crazy stuff happens at the end of games when, you know, you throw you throw out the game plan and you just start going balls to the wall. That's why betting under sucks. <laughs> um, but, you know, this one really, really hit the, uh, hit the over. Um yeah, I mean, I, they are going to be playing from behind. I thought that Penny Sewell, uh, they moved him over to left tackle. He played really well. You know, I mean, he was terrible at right tackle throughout the preseason. That's good news. Maybe when they come, when Taylor Decker comes back, he'll uh, play right tackle going forward. I mean, he already got his left tackle paycheck, so he shouldn't have anything to complain about. Um, I don't know. I, I still think it's a it's a bad team. Um, you know, but that can work in the favor of DeAndre Swift and TJ yeah. Hawkinson. Yep, for sure. Yeah, and I said on the Friday night show, you know, I thought Hawkinson was one of the guys who could catch seven, eight, nine balls. And I mean, you know, this is going to happen a lot for their wide receivers are so bad. Like, how can you not give Swift, Jamal Williams and Hawkinson a ton of the target share? Yeah, Tyrell Williams got a concussion too. Yep, in the protocol is Tyrell Williams. So I, I mentioned Atlanta as an egg. I mean, Green Bay, what in the hell happened to the Green Bay Packers? I mean, this was such a bad blowout. They pulled their starters in the third quarter. Now, the Packers are home against the Lions next. I don't even have any usage stats or anything on Green Bay because they barely even played. They've only played half the game. Uh, what do you think happened to Green Bay? How optimistic are you they can rebound against the Lions this week? Well, Sean Payton like put on like a, a, a master class in, in game planning and you know manufacturing offense. But, you know, I mean, the problems with the Green Bay offense, like, they, they, were, they were long. I mean, it seemed like Aaron Rodgers, the, the, I've been driving around, you know, listening to, like, sports radio at times. Uh, em- embarrassing to admit. But still, it's, it's funny to listen to what the people have to say. 
And the national narrative is that, hey, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers got the man bun now. You know, he's got this new girlfriend. She's, you know, earthy. He's discovered his inner self. And, you know, now football is, is kind of, you know, third or fourth on his list of priorities. I don't know if there's any truth to that. Probably not. But, I mean, it's, it's kind of interesting to talk about. The, the Packers do have some issues on their offensive line. You know, David Bakhtiari uh, is beginning uh, begin the season on reserve PUP. Um, they're starting some rookies up there. And, um, but I don't know. I, I don't know what got into Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. I expected him to have success. Marshawn Lattimore did a great job. Uh, the, the pass rush did a great job. Um, I, I, my guess is that it was a fluke. Um, they do get the Lions on Monday night in week two. There's a narrative out there also that Aaron Rodgers hates the Packers so much that he's going to, you know, not give his all this year, then go, you know, to the Broncos or, I don't know, the Panthers and try to win a Super Bowl next year just to stick it to the Packers. I don't think that's true, but it's out there. L.A. Rams. Got this one wrong, man. I thought that Sonny Michelle would play. I thought that Sonny Michelle would have, a, you know, not a big role, but a decent role for the Rams. It turned out. Daryl Henderson, 49 snaps. Sony Michelle, three snaps. Jake Funk, zero. So, I mean, God, I had so much Daryl Henderson after the Akers injury when people were afraid to take him. Then I got scared when they signed Sony Michelle. But, it, I mean, man, D. Hendo with this role is going to ball out. Tyler Higby, though, was the role we expected. I mean, this was maybe the most impressive usage of the week from a, you know, eighth, ninth, tenth round pick. Tyler Higby, 52 out of 52 snaps, 26 routes on 27 Matthew Stafford dropbacks, 18 of those snaps slaughter wide, six targets for a 23% share. I mean, absolute pure sex from Tyler Higby. I know you tweeted about that today a mm-hmm. little bit. What do you see out of the Rams? And do you think the split between Henderson and Michelle is going to continue? I mean, every down back, Daryl Henderson. Well, I think it was completely logical to expect the Rams to use Sony Michelle before the fourth quarter after they traded what amounted to a fourth round pick for him late in training camp. Um, I mean, that, that was just logical reasoning. And uh, the fact that that didn't happen would uh, was, and should have been a surprise to everyone. I don't think it'll, it'll stick. I think that maybe Sony Michelle is still, you know, trying to get comfortable in the offense and that will come uh, over the, the ensuing couple of weeks and probably sooner rather than later. I don't think that they that the Rams trust Daryl Henderson to hold up physically. Um, so, but I, I, we can't use Sony Michelle until that happens tangibly. Tyler Higby has a chance to be, you know, a top five fantasy tight end in this role, and I, I kind of expect them to be. I mean, he is a, he's a baller, man. He, he's really really good, and when he's featured like he was against the Bears, um, he's going to have some really big weeks. Minnesota Vikings. Oh, one more thing on the Rams. Uh, Van Jefferson actually ran more routes than Deshaun Jackson in this game. Just a little note there on that. Minnesota Vikings. Uh, one thing I noticed is they went three wide receiver a ton. And like the fall, part of the fallout from the Irv Smith injury was, well, what are we going to do now? Like we don't really have two viable tight ends, even if we want to play a lot of 12. And so they used Tyler Conklin a ton and they used the other tight ends a little bit. But three wide receiver was really their base. KJ Osborne, 81% of the snaps, 18% target share. For KJ Osborne, I don't think that's sustainable, but Thielen got his. Jefferson was pretty close to a big game, although the results weren't there in a box score, and KJ Osborne played well. Also, what do you think about Minnesota going forward? Would you add KJ Osborne in some deeper formats? Yes, in deeper formats. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think that there's going to be enough targets for him behind Thielen and Justin Jefferson and, and Tyler Conklin uh, and Dalvin Cook for him to have these kind of weeks on a regular basis. 
Um, but hey, if something happens to Thielen or, or Justin Jefferson, then I think Osborne could be a legitimate fantasy option. Um, the Aegis had a, had a big week one uh, regarding Julio Jones, but they really took it on the chin with Adam Thielen, uh, who can still play. Yeah, it's just when they get down in the red zone, it's like he's so locked on to Adam yeah. Thielen. And I mean, I have a bet on Adam Thielen, season long bet on Adam Thielen under touchdowns, which is probably just totally dusted already. New Orleans Saints. I mean, what a performance. And, you know, I know people are hand-wringing over Marquez Callaway. Only a 10% target share, which is concerning. He did run 22 routes on 24 Jameis dropbacks. You know, there's some Jair Alexander rhetoric out there, whatever, whatever. I mean, Jameis, though, five touchdowns. Didn't have a lot of yards, but five touchdown passes. What do you see out of the Saints? Yeah, this was like, you know, the, the ultimate Sean Payton game. Uh, Alvin Kamara, you know, he's he's going to be a beast all year, I think. Adam Troutman's usage, usage was surprisingly high. Um, and, and maybe he can be, end up becoming a low-end tight end one factor. But, um, yeah, I mean, they, you know, what, what did Jameis Winston finish with in terms of yardage? Yeah, like 100 and something. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in, in those kind of scenarios, like no pass catcher is going to have a big day. Sure. Yeah. Jameis finished 14 of 20 for 148 yards with five touchdowns and zero, zero interceptions. By the way, I mean, Alvin Kamara is like a stone lock to like set his career high in touches, assuming health. I mean, he's he's going to touch the ball so many times. Um, are, are people going to like start Jameis Winston now because he threw five touchdowns? Probably. He's at the at the Panthers in week two. Should Evan doesn't like that. <laughs> let's go to the New York Giants and Saquon this is a problem man um Saquon I think his health is okay they eased him in a little bit the role was decent their offensive line is just so bad I mean he's just drawing stone dead and the way he runs I mean he'll have some big runs he'll break like some 60 70 yarders for sure just because he's a total freak but consistency like success rate on his runs is going to be really really low now they play the Thursday night game against the Washington football team that's another absolutely brutal matchup for this offensive line, this this maligned offensive line. So I'm a little worried about Saquon. Sterling Shepard looked awesome, though. What did you see out of the Giants? Yeah, and Daniel Jones, I thought, played pretty well. Um, it's just, again, I keep coming back to it. Like, why was that? It, it was never even questioned that Jason Garrett was coming back. Like, it, it's just, you know, th- this offense is not going to, they're, they're going to contend for the, for the bottom of the league in terms of points scored. Like, that's like assured. Yeah. I do have a bet, actually, for you guys that are following along with the props. I did make a bet this morning. Sterling Shepard under 61 and a half receiving yards against the football team. We have him around 50 in this game. Obviously, I think Sterling Shepard is a very, very good player. And I think that um, he had a very, very good week one. But I think that's gotten bloated a little bit. So that's the one bet I have so far for player props. Shout out to the player props team. Eight and one in week one. So, so, so good. Uh, Giants right tackle Nate Solder, who they did not want to win that job. They wanted Matt Peart to win that job. Nate Solder just got trounced in week one. It's going to be really ugly going up against Chase Young and Montez Sweat in week two. Yep, on a short week. Philadelphia Eagles, impressive performance. They go down to Atlanta, and man, I mean, Jalen Hurts doesn't look like like a rusher who can throw you know, when needed. Like Jalen Hurts looks like a legit NFL quarterback Devonta Smith is his clear number one 39 routes on 39 Hertz dropbacks 29 routes for Re- for Rager 
19 for Quez Watkins, 12 for Ward, 8 for JJAW. And that was kind of what we talked about on Sunday morning when people were talking about Quez Watkins. We said, hey, listen, we think Ward and JJAW might mix in a little bit. That's what happened to Quez Watkins. I was also encouraged for Kenny Gainwell, man. Boston Scott played zero snaps in this game. Gainwell, 25. And I didn't think that would be the case. I thought Boston Scott would be mixed in there. I think the way they see it right now, Boston Scott is Miles Sanders' direct backup. Kenny Gainwell has the Naheem Hines role all to himself. So I thought that was really encouraging for Kenny Gainwell. I know a lot of people have the Kenny Gainwell best ball shares. Evan, what do you think out of the Eagles' impressive performance? Yeah, Gainwell came out of this thing. I mean, you know, remember there were like five legit RBs on the Eagles roster to begin training camp. Now it's down to like two guys that are factors. Gainwell is now all of a sudden one of the like the most valuable number two backs in terms of fantasy value uh, in the league right now. I mean, this is, and I don't, I don't think you'd become like a workhorse or a bell cow in the event that Miles Sanders went down, but I mean, he might become like a 13 to 15 touch per game guy. And um, this is a, a, an exciting rushing offense because their offensive lineman, Jason Kelsey getting out on the move and just hammering guys in the middle mm-hmm. of the field. Uh, their, their offensive line is like legit fun to watch. Nick Sirianni definitely knows how to run a high octane rushing attack. Um, Miles Sanders is looking locked in right now as like a borderline RB1. Jalen Hurts, you know, the A dot was really, really low. So they're drawing up a lot of high percentage stuff for him. But when he did have opportunities to make plays downfield, he made them. Um, so, you know, let's not get too excited, but I'm a little bit excited about those, uh, the, the long shot uh, MVP bets on Jalen Hurts at 100 to 1 and 80 to 1 uh, that, that we liked back in May or whatever it was. Yeah, and I mean, just give Jalen Hurts speed and let him get the ball in these guys' hands. I mean, they they have a ton of speed on offense right now. All right, we got to talk about the San Francisco thing, man. I mean, this was the fantasy story of the week. I was shocked, shocked that Trey Sermon was inactive behind Elijah Mitchell, behind uh, Jermichael Hasty. I mean, there was absolutely no sign whatsoever. Trey Sermon had been running as the number two back since OTAs in May. There was no reports of this. However, running with I was, the first team all preseason. Yeah. I was maybe more shocked that Brandon Ayuk played behind Trent Sherfield. I mean, Brandon Ayuk was a straight baller last year. And Kashana comes out and said, oh, it's his hamstring. He missed a lot of practice time. They had him on punt returns. They had Brandon Ayuk on punt returns. If you're worried about his hamstring, why is he on punt returns? So I don't know, man. Like the beat writers now are saying that it's going to take a little bit. Ayuk's going to get there, but he's going to rotate with Sherfield a little bit going forward. I mean, this is Shanna Hannigan's or whatever you want to call it. Going back from when I was playing fantasy going back to like the Terrell Davis and Mike Anderson days and Olandis Gary days when you had no idea who the dad, Shanahan dad, would would be starting at running back. So I don't know, man. Do you have any read on what's going on with Ayuk? Any read on what's going on with Sermon? And now we have this Raheem Mostert injury too, which we need to talk about. Raheem Mostert's going to miss eight weeks now. So go ahead, man. I don't know. Yeah, Mike Bell, Tatum Bell. Yep. Evan Royster, Roy Hallou. Yep. Uh-huh. The list goes on and on of these RBs that they just, they just juggle around. I mean, yeah, it was, it was definitely surprising. Uh, apparently what the 49ers did, they closed off uh, training camp for the final week or two to reporters and, you know, they were making uh, lineup changes. So, you know, when the beat writers weren't looking, um, but I, you know, Tra- the thing is that Trey Sermon could become a factor as soon as this week, Raheem Mostert, is out for what eight weeks mm-hmm. and Elijah Mitchell he should be the number one waiver wire pickup absolutely this week I mean he is 
he's a he's a he's a big play RB. He had uh, 49 catches uh, in college. He uh, ran four three five. He's smaller, so I don't you know I don't know if they're, they're going to assign bell cow usage to him for the the duration of the season or anything like that, or even if you would hold up under those conditions. Um, Trey Sermon is more built to handle the load, uh, but Trey Sermon is going to be active this week, and you know things can can flip back on a dime. So don't anybody go dropping Trey Sermon or anything like that. And I even think that Jamichael Hasty now should be added um, off the waiver wire, you know, cheaply. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was a huge surprise, and the IUK thing is very discouraging. That I, I might actually be more worried about IUK at this point than Sermon. Uh, at least based on the, the draft capital that it took to, to get uh, Brandon Ayuk in drafts. Because, I mean, he was going in the fourth round. Trey Sermon, at least, was more of like a seventh or eighth rounder. What, one surprising thing for me was once Moster went down, I couldn't believe they didn't use Jermichael Hasty. Like, they just gave it all to Elijah Mitchell, and they didn't use Jermichael Hasty at all. And that was weird because I thought Jermichael Hasty could play a little bit. But, yeah, and, I mean, obviously, I, we expect Trey Sermon to be up this week, but we'll be watching closely what's going on. If you want more on my take on the B-Rider thing and everything, again, check out the solo pod. Seattle. I mean, we expected them to go to Indianapolis and win. Game stayed under barely to salvage for me in the betting pod. Um, not a lot to say about the way Seattle's players were used. I think Gerald Everett split a lot with Will Disley, so I don't want to overreact too much to the touchdown there. But Gerald Everett is the athletic guy, is the one that's getting split wide. He's just going to rotate some, is what it is. Anything out of Seattle for you, Evan? They were just so incredibly efficient in uh, Shane Waldron's first game as, as Seattle's OC. And that, that was very, very promising. I thought they didn't have to keep their foot on the gas the entire, because I mean, the Colts really didn't mount a challenge. I mean, the Colts are in bad shape. We'll talk about them on the AFC pod, but yeah, I liked everything we saw from Seattle's offense. Uh, Russ ball and the offensive line looked good against, you know, a, a defensive front that's got some players in Indianapolis, DeForest Buckner, Quiddy Pay, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the, the rapport that Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson have developed over the last half decade is just, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tyler Lockett's ability to make like uh, receptions uh, while he adjust, like contorts his body to, um, to, to grab him, to pull him in. Is, is, you know, among the best in the league. That was, that was a lot of fun to watch. Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, Rob Gronkowski just shoves it right down my throat yet again. 37 routes for Rob Gronkowski, only 14 routes for Cam Brate, and painfully only one pass route for OJ Howard. I mean, I don't think they can keep Gronk going like this all year and expect him to hold up for 18 games and be ready for a Super Bowl run, but they certainly wanted him out there for Week one, other storyline was Antonio Brown balling out, man. Antonio Brown, now people are saying, my God, what if Antonio Brown is actually the number one option here? What if Antonio Brown is a better play than Mike Evans on a week-to-week basis? I don't know if I'm ready to go that far yet, but it certainly is gap is closing rapidly. What do you think about Antonio Brown and going forward with Gronk and these wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, the reports uh, about Antonio Brown crushing it, crushing it in training camp, um, they translated into week one. He looked spectacular. He played the third most snaps among the wide receivers. He doesn't play in their 12 personnel, two tight end packages. Um, you know, he's the clear third receiver in terms of like formation, formationally. But man, he won at all areas of the field. Um, the Cowboys really went out of their way to stop Mike Evans. I think that Mike Evans is, is like the perfect buy low right now. Um, you know, I think that we, we should be looking at him maybe in daily fantasy 
this week because I think that Tom Brady's going to come back and make sure that he gets fed after the other dudes dominated against Dallas. Um, you know, all the other dudes dominated, except for the great Ronald Jones, who fumbled and gave the ball to the other team. And now Bruce Arians is saying that he's going to start uh, in week two. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we got a good uh, montage up of Evan talking shit about Ronald Jones on podcast uh, from about a month ago. That was good. All right. Last NFC team, Washington football team. Unfortunately, I think they were going to win the game. But then Ryan Fitzpatrick goes down with a hip issue. He's going to miss a big chunk of time. Taylor Heineke is in. So tell the people a little bit about Taylor Heineke. I mean, we have some tape. We have a bunch of tape on Tyler Heineke. He's made NFL starts before. I, mean, I had that playoff mm-hmm. start against Tampa last year and actually played really, really well. Yeah. What do you have to say about Heineke going forward and how it relates to McLaurin, Diami, Logan, and all these guys? And he can run. He's a scrambler. Um, in that playoff game, you know, he fed Cam Sims. Mm-hmm. Cam Sims had over 100 yards in that playoff game. But Taylor Heineke, um, yeah, he's now made three appearances for the 2020 and 2021 uh, Washington football team, he, his YPA is like, is over seven. Um, I mean, he's a, he's a capable backup. And so I, I, I think that Taylor McLaurin, I think that they should be downgraded a little bit, but I think that they can still stay afloat. I think that he's good enough to keep, you know, Logan Thomas in the, the, the top 15, top 12 tight end range. And McLaurin is more like a wide receiver two, three, as opposed to the potential wide receiver one that, you know, we drafted him as. Um, Deami Brown played a ton. I mean, he was yeah. the clear number two receiver for Washington. And I know he didn't do anything, but, I mean, you know, he's, he's going to be out there a lot. He significantly outsnapped Adam Humphreys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cam Sims only ran one route in the game. I mean, Deami was out there on every single snap. Last thing I'll say about Washington football team, as expected, yeah, Gibson lost some pass down usage to J.D. McKissage, but 55 plays Washington ran, and Tony Gibson touched the ball on 23 of them. Like, when he's out there, he is getting fed in both the run and the pass game, so still really optimistic on Antonio Gibson. All right, we've said it all on each NFC team. We'll be back on the next episode with the AFC Team by Team podcast for Producer Luke, for Evan, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.